Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Let's bring in Ross McLean, security expert. Uh, and reason being, uh, we, they have uh, more information to report in the uh, crash of that Egypt airplane. And, of course, uh, the ongoing investigation in Orlando. And Ross is with us now. Good afternoon, Ross. How are you today? I'm good, Scott. Thanks for taking the time to join us. What can you tell us on the Egypt Air uh, investigation at this point? I understand one of the boxes has been found. Yeah, this is just breaking news coming out in the last couple of hours, Scott. As you know, you know, a terrible plane crash on a, a plane that was flying from Paris back over the Middle East, and it just suddenly went out of the air over the Mediterranean and apparently crashed in very, very deep water, uh, such that it took them a long time to find it. But the, they, they brought in everything from aerial surveillance to uh, sonar to ships to look for it. And they've had success this morning, uh, this morning our time anyways, by they've had robots that have gone down underwater to go work and, and dig through it. And they've recovered uh, the most important part of the black box that's in, the, that's in the plane. It's essentially the memory of the black box. And the word is that that is all intact, and they will be able to get the information out of it as, as well. They have also been able to recover the voice recordings that come out of the uh, the pilots for everything that was said in the cockpit. So that's certainly uh, a wealth of information to help out investigators. So they, are there two black boxes on a plane? Well, there's all sorts of different instruments that, that collect stuff. Certainly one is the black box, which is the major one, and then the voice recorder is a separate, uh, a separate item, apparently. So no Terra group has claimed responsibility at this time, Ross. What are your thoughts on that? Do, you, do we think this is a, t- a terrorist uh, attack? Well, I mean, it certainly t- for, has all the fingerprints of looking that way to start. You know, apparently they do know from what they've been able to find out. The plane was flying up above 30,000 feet. That means it's generally out of the range of any shoulder file on the ground. It would have to be a, a very sophisticated uh, sort of tank-based launched missile to hit something flying that high. There's nothing of that showing on the radar. They apparently have information, Scott, about the smoke detectors in the washroom going off just before uh, the plane went down. Uh, we do know from the radar that when the plane... Uh, initially had its impact, whatever it was that caused it, it jigged severely to the left, and then a big counter-correction to the right of, of a big motion, which generally indicates that there's been some kind of hard impact, because you have a counter-reaction to it. So uh, it's most likely looking like a bomb. There was, there was of course, another plane that was uh, had a bomb on it a, you know, a few months before, and it was the guy who smuggled in the bomb in the laptop. And the only good thing about that one was Scott, as he was sitting by the by the window when he set the bomb off it blew a hole in the side of the plane sucked him out and killed him but the plane was able to land so mm. we'll have to see with this one now the fact that nobody has claimed responsibility and normally when these sorts of events happen isis is quick to, to jump all over it and claim credit what does that say to you that they, we haven't heard that well what it tells me is there's there's multiple conflicts in the area with multiple uh, uh players i mean you need a program and it needs to be updated between every period scott for who's fighting with who and who's doing what and who's taking who down. You know, we, uh, we don't know. Uh, you know, we'll have to find out what's going on with it. It could be everything from payback to uh, blackmailing to uh, terrorists to just an act of war to, uh, to something. So we'll have to get some information on that. Well, if they're able to find out, you know, the type of bomb, if it was a bomb that went off by looking at the, the parts of the plane when they're able to bring them up, the explosion pattern will tell you a lot about 
who has the ability to make something like that, and that'll help to narrow down the players if that ends up being the case. Will the uh, black boxes, what they recovered today, uh, how much will that will how much uh, will that be able to tell them in regard to a bomb? Yeah, I'm not sure of all of the inputs that go in there. I mean, certainly it's going to cover everything to do with all of the controls, the directions, the flights, uh, any warnings that were put out, any warning signals that came on from the motors. Let's say a motor caused a problem, or there's a wiring, or other smoke detectors, or any sort of devices were activated within the within the plane. You know, that would also help to narrow down what could possibly be a cause. So that's going to be important. If not to pinpoint what it was, it'll help to eliminate what it wasn't, which is you know part of what you have to do with these things is. You have to deduce them and exclude some things to start narrowing the field down. Uh, you talked about the deep water that uh, the, the the wreckage is in. Will they attempt to bring any of this or all of this up? Well, we, we know that it's been done before to make the movie Titanic, right? They were able to get down low many, many yeah. years ago to do that. So it certainly seems they have the technology to do it. Uh, will they do it? We'll, we'll wait and see. All right, let's let's move on and and talk about the uh, Orlando shooting and, and of course the the horror that uh, we're learning since then. And it seems that uh, uh, the shooter's wife was uh, at least somewhat involved. Uh, talk a little bit about that on what your th- on your thoughts on what you think she might have known. And she is cooperating with police, but you have to ask the question: Why she didn't do that prior to all of this? Yeah, this one seems like a bit of a conundrum, but it's not the first time where we haven't seen where, where a woman or a wife was involved in a terrorist act like this. Certainly the San Bernardino uh, attack that killed, I think it was 23, was like that, where the wife was intimately involved in that, took part in the attack. Here we have this woman who, uh, you know, one of the things I'm waiting to see if she has any travel to the Middle East herself. We know that uh, the shooter did travel twice to Saudi Arabia, so we'll see if she had any travel, but she apparently... Uh, she has admitted she's done two interviews with the FBI. I know she was polygraphed in at least one of them when, when they were doing it. She admitted to being with him uh, and apparently knowing that he was plotting this when he went to go buy the bullets. They had a videotape of her in when he was buying bullets for the gun. And uh, she had driven into the club before, she admits, when he was doing uh, reconnaissance on the club, although she says that she didn't go on the night of the shooting when she was going to do it. So there's apparently a grand jury that's been uh, uh, held to, to look at laying charges on her. And the old saying is, you know, you can indict a ham sandwich with a grand jury. Uh, so I have no doubt that if they, they want to, they'll be indicting her on 49 counts of accessory after the fact. Uh, lots of chatter. Uh, uh, certainly over this event, it's become very political. Is this a gun control issue? Is this a terrorism issue? This is, a, this, is a, this is an Islamic terrorism issue. I've got no problem saying that. I'm actually very frustrated by a lot of the talk that's, that's come out where people are trying to spin this into something else. We now also know, Scott, that this uh, the shooter, as well as putting up Facebook posts that, that say, I'm doing this as vengeance for your airstrike attacks in Syria, you're going to feel the pain of the Islamic State. Uh, this is jihad. I'm doing it for Islam. He not only did that, he did it on the 911 call when he was in the uh, in shooting and killing and mowing people down. To so the police, stated his name, stated it was an it was uh, an ISIS attack, praised the Boston bombers. He then went on, where we found out last night, to make 16 other phone calls. Some of them to uh, I believe at least a TV station where the producer picked the, the phone up. And he says, hey, do you know about the bombs? And the guy says, well, or the shootings? And he says, well, yeah. He says, well, I'm the shooter. 
He says, I'm doing this in the name of Islam. You know, I'm tired of all this, that, you know. So he's made 16 other calls to it. But we seem to have everybody trying to contort this into everything from a a generic issue of hate to uh, he was a conflicted gay who had problems who decided to take them out uh, to gun control. But this is Islamic terror. If he had a bomb, he would have done it with a bomb. If he had, you know... He, he could stab people, he could kill people. The fact that he used a gun is almost immaterial. That's that's a talking point to the larger issue of Islamic terror. This, this is one I'm going to disagree with you on, Ross. I mean, the fact that the guy was on an FBI uh, list, the fact that he was purchasing weapons three days prior uh, to the event, I mean, doesn't that speak at least a bit to their gun control or lack thereof? No, what it actually speaks to, and you know, it, it's a great point you bring up, Scott, but what it actually speaks to is the Obama administration had put in specific rules for the FBI about when they were allowed to put people onto the list. They specifically said in their training manuals, you're not allowed to refer to Islamists, you're not allowed to refer to terrorists. Uh, there's all sorts of things you can't do. So the threshold was put there that told the FBI, you can't put him on this list. Uh, you know, and that's going to be a discussion that comes up. So, and, I mean, I absolutely agree with you, and I think most of the FBI people, if you talk to them, they would love nothing better than to deny this guy the chance to get a gun. But wait it's a sec, not- but wait a sec, Ross. You know, uh, uh, Obama has been a, an extreme activist uh, advocate of heavier gun control, more gun control, some sort of gun control whatsoever in licensing and background checks and such in the United States. So how can we blame the fact that, you know, this guy was on an FBI list and still able to get a gun? How can we blame that on the Obama administration? Because they set the rules of engagement for when they can put them on the list. Had they given the FBI the ability to say, look at this guy's... But wouldn't the state of Florida be able to say who, you know, regulate their own gun laws? Wouldn't they be able to say, you know what, if somebody's on an FBI list, we don't give them a gun? I mean, isn't that that's something that can be done at the state level? But it, it, well, all I'm saying is the FBI did not have the power to do it under the legislations they work with. You know, and... and and once again, to talk about the gun, and believe me, I'm not pro-gun and, and pro-big military. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not anti-gun either, Ross, in any way. In any way, and I mean, you know, if if you if you want to be a collector and, and share the passion, good for you. But I, what I have a problem with is when three days before an event uh, such as this nature, and when a guy's on a list, that somehow the lack of gun regulation doesn't allows him to get a gun. And I don't know how we can swing that to Obama when. There's no bigger uh, gun, uh, anti-gun advocate than Obama. Yeah, but we're sort of talking inside baseball a little bit here, but it's the rules that he sets for the FBI to be able to, take, to put him on the list to take him off. You know, when it comes to uh, the, once again, the gun is a sub-issue of the Islamist terror issue. Uh, you know, if you don't have Islamist terror, then the gun control doesn't matter for how you're dealing with that. You know, and on the other end of it, there's, there are people who are arguing uh, they look, had the police officers who have been out on the streets as a matter of habit right now, as police are becoming, as we see, the front line in the war on terror, had they all been carrying military assault rifles when they were protecting and going at places, it might have turned out a lot differently, too. So it, it, what we're having here, Scott, is that I told you when we first started talking about these terror issues well over a year ago, is the front lines of terror are coming, the police are in combat roles to try mm-hmm. and deal with these people. And I think we have to come to grips with the fact that we're at war and it's not a police action. So I think that's where the rubber is hitting the road. Do you think, okay, let me pose it to you this way. Uh, do you think that um, 
that the lack of regulation, the lack of any control, like, I mean, you know, there's a story in the news today about how a, a, a woman reporter bought an AR-15 in seven minutes, in seven minutes, done, done, check everything. Um, uh, do you think that their lacks account for their guns or lack of uh, regulation is somehow contributing or facilitating domestic terrorism? Like, you know, like lots of people say, well, he could have walked in there with a bomb. But, you know, it's a lot easier to go in and get a gun in seven minutes than it is to go on the Internet and almost blow your arms off trying to construct a bomb. Right. So if what would have happened, and the Congress has asked for that, Obama is not giving it to them. They have asked for this to be declared as a war on ISIS. Once it's declared as a war on ISIS, they can then change the regulations about how they deal with certain people and deal with people like this when he comes up on the radar and they can deal with him. So I think where the concern is, and you're going to see the pushback in the U.S., is it's a Second Amendment right that they, many people feel that what Obama is trying to do is take guns away from everybody to deal with the problem of the Islamic terrorist. And what they're saying is deal right. with the Islamic terrorist. Right. On the flip side of that, the NRA has come out and said, apparently uh, uh, presidential nominee Trump is going to be meeting with them, and they, they have said that they 100% back up that anybody on a prohibited list should not ha- a terrorist should be able to get a gun. So the NRA is moving towards this. I think the, the issue just becomes what the rules of, our, of engagement are for it, Scott. Uh, so do you think this will move the sticks? Do you think this will move the discussion? Do you think this will change things in any way? Well, no, I think we're going to continue down this path. I think you, you're seeing, you know, I, I noticed one interesting comment from somebody today, uh, Scott. They said that normally acts of terror bring a country together. Acts of terror now are tearing the U.S. further apart. Mm. So they're not coming together over this. It's, be, it's being politicized. Uh, it's not being treated as a national security issue. It's being treated as a presidential running issue. And uh, I think that the opening is there. You're going to see more of these terror attacks. Kind of, you know, normally I feel bad and hesitant saying that when you ask me questions like that, if there's going to be more. You're, you are clearly going to be seeing more of them because there's a gaping hole in how the FBI is able to deal with these attacks. And really, at the end of the day, that's what the terrorists are trying to do. You know, you've got the same people fighting, whether is it gun control, is it a terrorist issue, is it an anti-gay issue, um, you know, and again, the fighting starts within. Yeah, and I, I've seen lots of people. They forward me tweets, and I put them onto it. All kinds of tweets uh, are coming out of the states of people saying, "Death to America! Islam is good. I support the shooter." And I'm directing people. You can go to the FBI uh, terror tip uh, website, and you can you can forward those tweets and things like that. So the FBI is just overwhelmed. And you know, I have to wonder if they didn't have some responsibility to sort of clear this this shooter off the plate so they could get at all the other threats that are piling up. Mm-hmm. And they're coming in more and more. I mean, I know we were going to, if we had time today, talk about 151 Canadians who are now listed on a, on, a, on, a, on a kill list from ISIS. So it seems like the threats are just growing and growing, Scott. Uh, now Trump has spoke out, and, 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 and perhaps that's the reason the, uh, the NRA is moving on this. But, you know, he, he, he did a, a, something very surprising the other night and said, you know what, I don't care what the NRA says. Uh, people who are on lists shouldn't be able to get, uh, to get guns. 
Uh, how do you think that's going to change the discussion? Because, again, this was a pretty uh, right-wing uh, campaign for the longest time, and, and he's basically he, he's gone right out of them with a, you know, with a spear, for lack of a better phrase, uh, well, yeah, on, no, on a key no, issue. Come, out, come right out, and he said he does not agree with people who are on terror watch list yeah. that the FBI is investigating. They should not have access to these guns. They should be dealt with. And, you know, certainly he knows. That he do you think that has helped? Do you think that has helped change the mind of the NRA? Because normally they wouldn't touch this sort of thing. Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because normally they, they will not give an inch. You know, talk about stand your ground. The yeah. NRA wouldn't, you know, don't give an inch on anything that even seems reasonable because they view it as a slippery slope. So I see it as maybe something good that we're starting to get to some agreement about making sure that people, particularly this guy who the FBI knew so much about, I mean, he made threats before. He claimed he belonged to ISIS before. He knew the guy who was the first American suicide bomber. He went to a radical mosque where the guy came from that did that. I mean, it is all so much there, but they could do nothing. It was just, it's just so shocking, Scott. All those lives lost. I mean, butchered, vulnerable people. It just, uh, it really mm. turns my stomach to see that that happened. How will Toronto protect pride? Well, that's yet to be seen. Um, you know, I find it ironic that, uh, you know, as we have the, you know, the threats coming against pride and getting up against pride, that uh, at the same day they were just sentencing the uh, the superintendent who was responsible for doing too much work at a, at a public gathering for the G20, right? They just found him because for the G20, of course, yeah. they more or less suspended, civ- you know, civil rights for searching things. So I, I think what's going to happen is the Toronto police are very good at protecting parade routes, that this sort of thing, and everything else. They're very good at that. I've got full confidence in them doing that. The issue here, though, is the threat type of ISIS is a much different threat type than what you're normally sort of faced with. They're going to have to rely heavily, I believe, on the INSET, which is the National Security Team Against Terrorism, to look at all the people who are currently on our watch lists, that they're going to have to keep an eye on them and keep uh, before this goes down, look for anybody new coming up on this, and then, Scott, the gamut of threat that's available there is so wide. It goes everything from a single female with a knife who decides to go in the crowd and start knifing people, maybe kill somebody, right up to, of course, uh, bombs. Uh, there's talk of uh, ISIS trying to develop uh, homemade chemical weapons, uh, you know, shootings. So there's a real gamut of threats that they have to be able to look at. So it's not going to be an easy job for them to do it, you know, completely. Uh, I got to ask you one more question. That's about uh, the AR-15, which uh, apparently is a legal gun in Canada, although a restricted weapon. There was a story about an MP in British Columbia last uh, earlier on in the week when the store Orlando story broke. That a month ago he was trying to introduce a motion to get uh, the restrictions on this weapon released. I understand or relaxed. I understand. So at this point, not only to be uh, have the proper licensing and be trained for this weapon, you also have to use it inside. Uh, a, a registered firing range sort of atmosphere. Uh, they want it so you can take it outside of that. Do we need to loosen regulations in Canada on the AR-15? I don't know that loosen is the right word. I mean, I think you can always look at regulations on, on, on everything. But, you know, the AR-15 is an interesting weapon in that it's a civilian version of the M-16, right? It's designed to be a gun that's very simple to use, very simple to point and shoot, very simple to fire rapid rounds. It's really, I mean, that's what it was designed for. It's a, it's a copy of a military weapon as opposed to a hunting weapon. I know, and I've had all kinds of emails and e- uh, tweets and everything from from, uh, I'll call some of them gun nuts, <laughs> you know, they say, mm-hmm. oh, you can't say that, it's this, it's that, it's everything else. But I think we just need to be responsible in who gets guns. 
That's the main thing. And, you know, the one thing that's hard to test for, Scott, is judgment. I mean, you can pass all the tests about the length, the size, the storage. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, if I'm around someone who's got bad judgment, they can still legally have a gun, but that scares me, you know, when i got someone who's got bad judgment around me with a gun. So I'm not sure that that's the right way to go. All right, Ross McLean has been with us. RossMcLeanSecurity.com, Face Power. Uh, uh, what's your Facebook page again, Ross? Sorry, I don't uh, have it. Crime, Power, and Politics. That's they the one I was looking for. They all seem to go together. All right, thank you very much, Ross, for the time. As always, greatly appreciated. Thank you, Scott.